Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, here we are, just a bunch of 30-year-olds. Look, turning 30 is not that big a deal. Oh, really? Is that how you felt when you turned 30? Why, God, why? I want to be 30. 30 and flirty and thriving. Oh, my God. The, having the baby at 37 was so much harder. 30 years old? Jesus Christ, somebody get this geriatric some metanusal. Why does everyone make such a big fuss about turning 30? This is not a big deal. 30 is when I feel like my life started making sense. I definitely know more now that I'm 38. Here are some things that I've learned in my 30s. Hey there, it is Christy Hayes. Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, my brand new podcast series, joined, of course, by my gorgeous husband, Justin coombs Pitt. That would be me. That would be you. <laughs> uh, we are happily married and we have an awesome show ahead. I'm so excited about oh, so this guest. Oh, so am I. Oh, my God. I know you are. I'm very excited. She's one of those women that I just knew would go on to do amazing things. I've had the privilege of knowing her for almost 20 years. Apart from being extremely good looking, she's also extremely talented. She played <laughs> Danny on Home and Away, but she's gone on to do so much more than that than playing my sister. Killing it over in the States on Pretty Little Liars. She has her own podcast, Women on Top Official. She has done her, just, I can't even begin to start with Tamman Sursock's career, but here she is to talk to us all about it. Welcome, Welcome to Tamman. Talk Oh my gosh, it's weird because, first I have to say, I've got like half an American, half an Australian accent because I've been here for like 15 years now. But <laughs> yeah. um, when I listen to you, I'm like, you sound like a radio host. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> like, you're like, I'm like, oh, I would listen to that on the radio. Like, definitely. <laughs> I would tune in. I don't know about you, okay? But she. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but yeah. But like, I was like, wow. Like, I would definitely, I would definitely listen to that. Full well, shizzle. I would, I would definitely listen to you. Hence, I'm so happy that you're here. I remember when Tam and I first met. This would have been what? Tam and I met in I think 1990. 2000. 2000. Wasn't it? Two, oh no, no, no. 2000. I remember. I was drinking Malibu when the fireworks were going off down in the Harbour Bridge. And I remember we were on Home and Away at that time, 2000. I was 17 at 2000. So I think I joined Home and Away at 15 and you were 13. I got the job just before my 16th birthday. And I remember being in St. Ives in my parents' house. And I just remember thinking like my life is gonna change. You yeah. know, and I remember doing that audition and I think they wanted, did they want me for a twin? Mm, or like, how did that? I don't know how that came about, but I feel like we were all kind of going for the same parts, even though we were like different ages. That's that right. makes sense. Tamman and I yeah. played sisters, and we had the casting process on Home and Away was so long and right. stressful but exciting. And they were mixing and matching, and I remember I saw uh, Tamman at all the final rounds of castings, and I was like, she's really good and yeah. she's really pretty, like, and she's really nice. I hope that like I get to work with her. <laughs> And, and well, at least I fooled her on the nice part. So, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. She's All of it was not true. No, <laughs> everything is true. And like you said before, you know, you have not half an Australian, but half American. But you obviously your accent is more an American. Yeah, I was going to say more, maybe sixty three, thirty. It's weird because like everyone asks me about it literally all the time. Like, I swear, like, there's not a, an interview that I do that people don't ask about it. And it's weird because I do have a definitive story. It wasn't it wasn't actually because I've been I was in Australia for like 17 years and I've been here for 15. Yeah. Mm. So I've literally been like smack down the middle. Right. My my husband's American. My kids are American. They're American citizens. I became American citizen. I'm a dual citizen, Australian citizen, too. I definitely identify with both. That being said, I came out here with a very strong um, Australian accent and I was on a TV show called Young and the Restless and I was a year in and they were like, you know, your accent keeps coming out and it's an issue. And we don't know if we can keep your character on if you just keep sounding because I, I was actually replacing someone else. So I was a very American like icon character for the show. And so I remember saying to Sean, who was my boyfriend at the time, I was 25 and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I need this green card. Like, I can't go back <laughs> to Australia. Like, I don't know what to do. No one's and he going said, back we'll just that. talk in an American accent and just like practice all the time. And 
if you do that, then it'll just be like something that you don't have to think about. Right. So I was like, sure, I'll do, I'll do that for a year and like, no problem. And then after a year came back, it just never really went back. Mm. So it's kind of like a bit of everything. You know, my parents are from South Africa. I was born in Johannesburg. I don't know if anyone really knows that. So it's like, I've got a little bit of a South African accent, Australian. I'm just really confused. American. It's like, it's all over the place. So I can be whatever the hell you want me to be. Well, you're an actress. Uh, Jamaican would be fantastic. If you wouldn't mind just talking. Sure, whatever. Just for the the remainder of the podcast. And like a beer, like if I have a beer, it's like really Aussie, you know, but you know, if I'm just normal, it's kind of all over the place. Well, I found that my accent generally goes from Victorian to New South Wales to Queensland. That's not really a thing, by the way. That's Victorian to New South Wales to Queensland. But, Tam, that's a sign that you have an awesome work ethic. You know, we were um, on this series. It's all about talking about reinventing yourself and things that women in particular mm-hmm. have to do with work and the work ethic that you have to do. I mean, even for me personally, when I have to do an American accent for a casting, I'm like, fuck. It's something that it does add that extra stress when you have to talk outside oh, of a room yeah, vernacular. For sure. So I think yeah. it's really smart that you did that. I would absolutely do it. I mean, fuck, I'd do it here in Australia. It'd sound weird because we live in Queensland, so I'd look like a bit of a wanker. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, I think I just thought that it would go back. Like, I just didn't think... I, I just thought it would be an easy transition. But I realised that because I'm musical and I've always been musical my whole life... Mm. My, my, my mom's a musician. So like, I just think it's that lilt that you find in different accents, but you know, I'm about to work on a project where I play a Southern girl, you know, and then I've auditioned yesterday for a British girl. So it's just like, mm. you know, I don't know. It's interesting. It's acting and you're doing it very well. That's what you have to do. And in terms of like, when you talked about your music just then, Justin, you might even remember because obviously with your career in radio, like Tam has a beautiful voice. Tam I remember playing, singing. I remember playing Tam and song. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Don't put me on the spot, in the no. bathtub, like. Yeah. No, on the on Drinking the air we played. <laughs> played it on the wireless back in. Uh, Wait, that was me. That was me playing my song <laughs> to myself. <laughs> but you have a beautiful voice. Do any of your girls sing? I mean, you've got two gorgeous little girls, little bubbers. How old are the girls now? They then? sing, yeah, but not well. No. <laughs> and at um, five a.m. Like my oldest daughter will be in the arts for sure. Like yeah. it's there's no way. That's what she loves to do. She thinks I make TikToks for a living, which I don't sort of maybe do. I don't know. Um, but she wants to perform and she loves it. So that's what she's going to do. The, the issue is she's not really in tune. So the rock star part is going to be a little difficult. That's all right. That's um, but she does love music so much. And, and you know, who knows? Maybe she can go to the best voice coach and be the next Lady Gaga. I don't know. Will you, will you be cool with her doing things in the entertainment industry? I'm going to assume that it's a yes because you're. I can imagine, and I know you're such a supportive mother. I would say yes, but I'm not going to let her do something before she turns 18. And there's a very, you know, on on my podcast, Women on Top, we talk a lot about mental health. And before you hit the age of actually 25, your frontal lobe of your brain isn't fully developed, right? And so if you're not in an environment that is child-friendly, I'm not saying that being on set isn't child-friendly, but it's not conducive to growing up and effing up and having relationships with people your own age. And, and I don't know how healthy it was for me and for you to be in an industry that was an adult type industry at such a young age. And it does, you know, I got my brain scanned recently, um, not for not an MRI or a CAT scan, it's called a spec scan. And it's to see like the activity that goes on in your brain and, and what is the most lit up area. And for me, it was my frontal lobe. And that is because he told me that my dopamine had been worn out from pretty much being a child actor, right? Because you're on stage and you're getting so many highs and you're getting deals and you're 15, 13 for, for Christy, 15 years old for me. And it's like, once you wear that out, a lot of people, thank goodness, I don't have an addictive personality. And he was actually quite shocked that I didn't turn to drugs and alcohol, but a lot of child stars and child is like anything up until really 20 something, but let's just say 18 for the sake, they turn to drugs and alcohol because they have depleted their dopamine. And so because they've depleted their dopamine, they're looking for something to raise it. And that's why there's a lot of issues with kids. There was a long answer to a short question, but there's a lot of kids with issues who were working at such a young age, especially in this business. So so my answer is no, I will not put my kids in until a certain age. And look, each to their own, but I've done way too much research on mental health and the brain to know that. 
And you're speaking from experience. I mean, you're speaking from your own mental health experience. I remember days when when you and I were on Home and Away and most of the time we would be really happy at work. I mean, we were doing what we loved, you know, and acting was our drug. We didn't need to revert to things like drugs and alcohol like a lot of child stars and teen stars and and former child stars do. But we had hard days, like throwing in the sleep deprivation and the people staring at us and the, the body shaming and all that shit like i'm just so fucking happy that social media wasn't around when we were young and growing up on television i mean it was hard enough in particular for for you tam like tam was so much more high profile than i was and she was older she was also like all the the men's all the men wanted tam and for magazine yeah no sorry (laughs) well not that much older now i was older (laughs) but but when we were little like tam and was of age so you know you had men wanting yeah yeah, you could be stuff like it was there's a lot of shit. I wouldn't want my well, my kid around that. Well, knowing all that now, knowing what you know now and actually, you know, being right across it and being in your frontal lobe, uh, how do you go when you're working with young actors now? Or do you look at young actors thinking you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing this? I mean, look, I haven't – I have a, um, a young features, which I didn't like when I was younger. I was like, oh, my cheeks or my this or my that. I've got a softer type uh, structure of my face. So I haven't yet played the mom, which is interesting because I am a mom. I've got two kids and I want to play the mom because that's what I actually relate to. Um, but I haven't yet been a mom of like a young kid. But I do know that, you know, in the beginning, like I would say when Phoenix was young, my first daughter – I wanted her to be in front of the camera and I wanted her, I had a clothing line in Australia and I wanted her to be the face of it and whatever. And then I just saw how much pressure I was putting on my three-year-old to like stand in a certain place and smile and be in a good mood. And I was like, no, I don't want this for my kid. And I've talked about this. This is, this is not the first time I've said this, but I had a severe eating disorder throughout home and away days, like severe. And I had that eating disorder because I wanted to be perfect and I was in the public eye and I even talked to my therapist about it. They said like, you know, when did you, because I get like anxiety, right? She goes, when did you feel anxiety for the first time? And I remember it so vividly. I was 16 years old and I was at Chatswood. No, it was at Macquarie. And I was coming down from the gold class cinemas. It wasn't gold class at the time. And three people stopped and they freaked the fuck out excuse my french and they were like screaming and i thought something bad had happened i was like what is going on and they said oh my god oh my god that's that girl danny from home and away are you tam and sursock and i remember it's the first time i had a panic attack like i just couldn't see straight i couldn't breathe properly i started shaking because it's a very weird thing fame right like we think we all want it and then you start to get and it's not like a woe is me. I think some people could listen to this podcast and go, oh, poor thing. It's not a it's not a poor thing and I'm not wanting any sympathy. But I'm saying that when you're in the public eye and there's so much pressure to be perfect all the time, it leads to mental health issues. It mm. just does, right? And I remember that was the first time I started my journey, per se, with anxiety. It was then. And it's like I... I love my job so much and I love my fans and the people that follow me on social media so much. I feel like they're almost like my family, but I also don't want to be famous. It's like this weird dichotomy of like, I want to make a difference on social media. I want to create a network and I want to create like a tribe of women that can talk about the things and miscarriages and mental health and all this stuff. But then I want no one to know my name. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know how you put one foot in each side. And I also want to make tons more amazing films and be in a lot more TV. But then I don't want anyone to recognize me. How do you sum that up then? Do you find yourself stuck in a void? Being somebody who suffers from severe anxiety myself, and you would find yourself just, just stuck in a void where it's like, well, there is no way out when you want to do something, and this is what I want to yeah. do. This is actually what makes me happy. But yet, it is also the same thing that contributes to my anxiety and to how I feel and the stuff that puts me back into my shell. You know what you have to do, and this is a long road for me, but it is just gratitude. Mm. And I know that can seem so trite and BS, and it's like, but gratitude, we underutilize it and we under we undermine it in a way like having true gratitude really puts you at ease in the situations that you're in. So like you're there and people are staring at you and you're like, you know what? I'm grateful that I'm able to be known 
so that I can make some kind of small difference in the world. And then I can go home and just be with my family. But if you don't have that gratitude, you'll always be bitter. That's you'll always be bitter at the world and you'll always be angry. And anger just is a, anger is not a primary emotion. Anger just comes from fear, right? So you'll always be fearful. But if you lean into gratitude, then you'll be more mindful of each situation and it'll feel, the situation will feel different. I had no idea that you were going through that when we did Home Away. I feel so fucking bad that like I wasn't even. Ugh, I don't think any, I don't even think my parents did. Yeah. And you, and you, you know, I think back of all the shit that you must have had to go through. And like you said, not even your parents knowing because Tam was always so happy at work and, um, and so professional. Tamman was always and yeah. still is so professional. And I think what you just said hit the nail on the head because I do believe that women can have it all, just maybe not at the same time or as we get yeah. older and yeah. particularly into our 30s, which is my favourite decade yet, by the way, because I stopped giving a fuck Apparently what 40s, about me. Apparently 40s gets even better. So oh, yeah, it does. Especially when you marry someone still in their thirties. <laughs> yeah, but my poor my poor husband's like, My back, you have no idea, you don't understand. <laughs> um, Tam, touching on something that uh, one thing and I mean it's just a little thing, but one thing I mean Tammany's is obviously very, very, very beautiful aesthetically. Um, but you and you when you mentioned before about Phoenix, your daughter, you wanting to keep her away from the clothing line, the you know, the public mm-hmm. image, etc. Is am I right that the girls don't see you dye your hair that often or whatnot because you like to keep your even your hair now natural without changing colours or keeping it, you know because we always I mean I do now. Hair. I do now like cover the greys. That's yeah. that's, oh, that's fair enough. Real. I was like, I didn't even know that I had greys until the pandemic. I'm like, oh, so I'm grey now. <laughs> like I had no idea. <laughs> we all went grey, um, Look, I, I also believe in changing her mind as you grow older. But for now, I don't talk about weight or body image or anything in front of them because I don't want that to be something that they focus on, you know, and we like our parents did that to us because they didn't know any better because their parents did it to them and their parents did it to them. Like, right. So they stood in yeah. front of the mirror and they're like, oh, I look fat or, oh, my boobs are not this. or my like, butt is too big or whatever it is. All things that I say when I look in front of the mirror as well. <laughs> right. Which no guy says. <laughs> um, I just don't want them, you know, and I catch myself sometimes. Like my daughter said, like, you know, am I fat? And I said, well, no, but I want you to know something. Fat is just a thing. We need to stop putting narratives on specific things like long hair is beautiful. Short hair is not big boobs are beautiful. Small boobs are not fat is not beautiful. Skinny is beautiful. You know, we need to stop labeling things as good and bad and just labeling them as is. So I said to her, look, if you have fat on your legs or your arms, it just is like it's just it's not a thing. It's just a thing. Like it's not, it's not good, or and it's not bad either. Well, you've been doing this. You've been in the industry now, and in where this has been an issue for twenty years, let's say. Have you mm-hmm. noticed a change over that time from when you first started? To is it better oh, now than what it was? Definitely, definitely. The inclusion of normalizing just normal bodies has been incredible and the pendulum has definitely swung the other way. Yeah, I think it's great in so many ways for my daughter to see someone who's bigger on a billboard and seeing that as beautiful as well and not always comparing herself. Like I would like throw up like six times a day and eat a pack of rice cakes and five coffees because I wanted to look like Kate Moss. It's not Kate Moss's fault, right? But that's the only images that I would see. So I I would do anything to feel my bones, right? Because Miranda Kerr, who's so beautiful, was on the cover of Dolly. I remember her like I had her on my wall and I wanted to be like her. I, I want to make sure that this is not taken out of context. I didn't starve myself to be like Miranda Kerr, but I starved myself to be like everything that I saw on magazines or in TV shows. You know, it was always the same image, right? It wasn't it was never what we see now. Yeah. And that's why I love, like I've said this to Justin in our personal life, I fucking love shows like Grace and Frankie, normalising things, you know, to 80-year-old women that are the stars of this this awesome series and long gone are the yeah, days yeah. Where, where we all want to see teenage girls in the nicest way to the young ones, uh, women and men and, and everyone. There's a room for that too, yeah. Absolutely, you know, and, and how, how good is that even now with your career, which you're just kicking ass with over in the States? And one thing I love is what Brian Cranston says, have your personal life sane so you can go insane in your professional life. And right. So many guys were always after Tamman when we were young. I mean, for obvious reasons. Um, But one thing that I love, and I really do love this, Tamman, I've said this before to people, is what a proud wife 
and mother you are like a really proud yeah. wife I can tell how much you and Sean truly love each other I mean he annoys the shit out of me and we actually yeah, we sure. actually spoke about that <laughs> well we spoke about this earlier before we even uh, got you on the line was you know because I said the same thing that it, that's how you come across and that's I mean I don't know you Christy knows you but this is the first time we've met but from what I've seen on social media I see a really proud wife and a really proud mother and somebody who's just embracing those two factors and probably more so than making a career focus out of it you know what I mean which I find I mean, so look, good I, what I think it's I think it's important to say that everything's a highlight reel. Even my I, I try to not always do the highlight reels, but I gravitate towards that, like everyone else does. I try to make sure that we talk about the poopy diapers and the stress and the anxiety and the mental health, you know. But I don't know. It's it's interesting that you say that I portray that because you know having two people in the business is very stressful. You guys understand that, and so we have to work on our relationship so it's good, you know. And that is a marker for me for a good marriage is wanting to work hard on something that means something to you. So we, we do like, we bicker a lot because we're stuck in, you know, you guys probably didn't have the same experience during COVID. We've been inside for a year and two months. Like I wanted that experience. You don't, you don't like, we have not been able to like leave the house for, we have, but it's not, been the same it's only just started to open up and and our kids have been homeschooled which has been very stressful so we've been bickering a lot but working on our marriage is one of the reasons why i adore him because we both have fucked up shit right and we both have trauma from our past and from environment how you're raised whatever it is we've both got our shit right but we're trying really hard to not put our shit on each other it's like that famous quote i hope i get it right that like Unless you heal what cut you, you'll bleed on other people who didn't hurt you. Well, and that's what I'm realizing. Like, I need to deal with my stuff. He needs to deal with his and then we can come together and be a couple, you know, and at this point in my life where I'm like, I'm so sick of pretending that I know it all or that like I have such a big ego in an argument that like I must be right. Like that used to be me, right? It used to be like, oh, don't you dare like say that about me. And because I would feel like I was worthless or not enough. Now it's like, okay, what is the story you're telling yourself? What's the story I'm telling myself? And what do you need from me right now? And I think that when you can go into a relationship like that, especially when you have like small kids, it's like that is I feel like you asked me a question and I give you like like marriage advice. You're like no, I didn't, I didn't I, you ask for I'm marriage thinking. advice. I know you're <laughs> I know you're an extremely busy person, Tam, and I'm I'm aware of that, but you realize that if Christy and I need we're having issues in the future, we're gonna be ringing you for oh advice, God. right, don't you? I've done I've done so much with like self like I think it's because I was so effed up, right? Not because of anything like just I've just been kind of a mess. It's weird. When I say a mess, it's like but it's not through drugs or alcohol or sex addiction or anything like that, right? It's just being a mess. Like as an as a human being, by the time you hit your thirties, you've messy, right? Right. And I'm like, I just don't want to be that anymore. Like I just want to be logical and I want to have discussions, right? And I want to be vulnerable and I want to walk into a fire and go, you know what? I'm sorry. I want to say sorry first. Like I I want to be better so that other people can like come to me so we can have like real discussions and for people who don't want to work on themselves I I just don't have time for that anymore Mm. like I just if you're going to fight with me and we're just going to fight I don't have time it gets very old very quickly I was like that in my 20s I had two failed marriages in my 20s and not all of that stuff was my fault but fuck I was that person that was like don't tell me what's wrong with me you know I own my stuff I didn't own anything I really started all this sort of journey of, of self-owning, if that's a, if that's a thing, and and whatnot, and wanting to be my best self around my thirties, and that was reflected mm-hmm. when I started to work on myself, and also obviously being a healthy relationship. Um, certainly not to negate relationships that I had before because we always learn from from people, but you just don't have the energy to to sit around fighting. It gets mm. draining, and I think when you have children. Uh, you really do need to learn to work together. And that's what I learned when I was a mum. It really calmed yeah. me the fuck down. I stopped I stopped becoming a screamer, uh, unless in the bedroom. I think I became <laughs> a screamer. <laughs> um, when you but, said, like, we don't have time for fighting, I thought you said we don't because of your accent. I thought you said we don't have time for farting. <laughs> no, and I was like, I have time. I always have time for farting. I always have time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. What's something you know now, Tam, that you wish you knew in your 20s? I think, and it's an interesting one because I don't know if a lot of people feel this way, but I wish I had more fun. Mm. I really wish I had more fun. I was so worried about becoming successful and working and getting on the next TV show. And I was always in bed at a certain time because I didn't want to F up my audition. And like, granted, I was auditioning five, six times a week, right? So I didn't want to ruin an opportunity. And then you can say, well, if I had more fun, would I have gotten on Pretty Little Liars? And would I have done the things? And would I have even had kids because because I had Pretty Little Liars and I met my husband? And so I don't know, maybe things would have been different if I did have more fun. <laughs> but I was just so hard. I'm still hard on myself, but I was just so hard on myself. And I just was such a perfectionist, still am. Mm. But I was more of one in my 20s. And I wish, yeah, I wish I let my hair down a little bit. Like I wouldn't drink more than two, three, two drinks because I just didn't want to be out of control. Hmm. And now it's hard when you have kids because you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have had those two drinks. But yet. You, <laughs> like two, I'm like done. Like if more. I had more than two, I'd just <laughs> yeah. be like, so, yeah, I wish I, I, I actually wish I drank more, but I can't because I don't want to feel sick. Well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's go back then. And you, this can be before or after <laughs> you started on Home and Away. When you were younger, who did you think you were going to be in your 20s? I don't think anyone, but I, I thought that I would be at the top of my career by the time I was like 29. Like I had such um, big aspirations for myself that I wanted to be at the top at 29. Where did you see the top being then? On a TV show like awards? Yeah. yeah, it's weird because like, you know, I've had this in my therapy. They're like, but you were on a TV show for, mm. you know, Pretty Little Liars ran for seven years. It yeah. was the number one show for that demographic ever here in the states right so you'd think that would be enough right <laughs> like well, well you were on a show and i did like 60 episodes whatever 60 episodes on that show but i guess it was just doing tv and film it was actually not tv because tv wasn't big back then so it was films that were big enough to showcase what i always thought i could do and get accolades for that i don't need the accolades now but in my 20s i wanted that and cool. i think in our 20s as well we're so preconditioned to associate success with accolades, you know, like yeah, we wanted the awards, up, you know. I mean, you were nominated for a Logie when, like, as soon as we were on TV, Tam was nominated for a Logie. I mean, this was so many years ago, but that was like, you know, and you mm -hmm. you do go, oh, okay, cool, well, congratulate. And we had this bullshit thing that, like, it, it, women or men, no matter the profession, unless people are cheering from the sidelines or if we aren't getting those accolades. For me personally, I was always, I was like, oh, you would just feel so shit. Whereas nowadays you have this great thing just to be your own cheerleader, you know, and you don't really need all that stuff. And it's funny, Tam, how you were saying, you, because you're right, you were on Pretty Little Lies. I mean, you've had this amazing career, but with someone with so much ambition, I can imagine that yeah. you're like, oh, I need, I need that more, 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 you know. And for what it's worth, I have no doubt that that Oscar will come in time. You're an amazing actress. You're my favorite <laughs> person. Always well, we're with, creating, you know? my husband and I have a production company because it, it was born out of frustration, right? Yeah. So we have a production company and we've got like four or five films that are like teetering on pre-production because I- I'll send my headshots. I, yeah. <laughs> I never, I, I don't think I've ever been given, you know, on, on Home and Away, that rape- um, I think you could like that. Remember that rape stuff that happened? Yeah. And then I married, Ken? I married your wife. And you married him. Can you imagine the um, storyline? Yeah, like I can't. I, I like, how could I ever forgive you? But, <laughs> but I remember that was the, f like, that was the first time I was like, oh my God, I really get to like go there. Right. I yeah. really get to go there. So I spent weeks working on that storyline and I really got to like mess myself up as an actor and it felt great. Right. I don't know if you know this, but they cut everything because they said it was too intense for for television for Channel 7. So I had to retape all that storyline, but less well is what they said, like less real, less emotional. And they showed that. Are you kidding me? And I that was the no first idea. time I was like, oh, my goodness, I haven't been able to show yet what I know I'm capable of. And it broke me like that was a really hard year for me. That must have been not only did they scrap your amazing work. They put you in a position we where you were doing it, this yeah. storyline. And then you had to minimize your ability to tell something 
which should never fucking be minimised anyway. And can when you think about it, I don't believe anything like that. Well, I hope something like that wouldn't happen nowadays, but that was only, what, 15 or 18 years? Yeah. I don't know fucking hell. I can't even imagine how that must have felt. <laughs> that is really... But just as really a 17-year-old going, though. oh, wait, wait, I'm I'm an, like an actor trying to act a situation, right? But yeah. the situation is too real. Then am I always going to be put in a specific box? And for how long? You know? So that that is something when you're 17 years old that you're like, hmm. Okay, that's interesting. But a testament to your talent, though, hon. Testament I mean, I don't to your really talent. I was 17. It might have been really crap, but at the time, I thought it was really good. <laughs> they just said, we're just going to reshoot. Don't be, don't be silly. You I don't know. Maybe they were just like, we're going to reshoot it because it's so bad. They're like, we're just going to tell her that it's like really real, but it was just like really bad. <laughs> As if you're a fucking brilliant like, actor. It's so bad. And I'm like, don't embarrass the poor girl. Don't embarrass her. No way. No way. Not at all. Not at all. And you and hubs you and hubby sean how did you guys meet by the way i did want to know because you you were young when you met sean weren't you are you were you in your 20s 22 yeah 22 that's right 22. i say he stole my childhood mm. just kidding <laughs> but you knew that he was he, the one pretty early on right yeah yeah he was a director of my first american film Aww. and we knew each other for about two weeks like doing he was the director and the writer and um we knew each other for a bit like doing the rehearsals and a day before we started shooting, he just like came up to me and he's like, I think I'm falling in love with you. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I was like, come to my bedroom. <laughs> well, kind of, I did do that. Um, no, maybe I did. I don't know. Like if they pick us up in the tabloids, I'm like, I didn't, I did, I didn't. So now they're confused and they can't say anything. But yeah, it was like, it was, it wasn't love at first sight from me because I was going into an audition. Like he was in the audition room, but I remember when we, because we just got rid of our house in October and we left and we've been on the road since October, but right. we were going through the boxes and um, like packing up and there was his audition book of like all the girls who were coming in mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I was there and he'd, and, and we looked at it and he'd circled me and he wrote, she's the one. Oh, little did he know I was the one that was going to ruin his life. <laughs> um <laughs> But he said it was like love at first sight. Like he was like, yeah. oh, it's just totally like love at first sight. But for me, it was, I would say love at first kiss for me. Like I'd never, I remember when he kissed me, I was like, I had electric shocks that went through my body. And he always says that his finger was in the, in the electric socket. No, it, wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. You were standing we in a puddle. <laughs> yeah, it was like just trying to like turn the electricity on. But, um, That's how they talked. But no, I just, I've never been kissed like that before. I've never... I know, and it's just such a small thing. Like, I, I feel like we don't kiss as much as we get into our third. Feel free to say something as nice as that, Christy. Well, honey, when you really Did just he stand in a wet puddle? He stand in a puddle and put no. his finger in a socket for you? I, I wasn't that wet. But we, um, we, were friends we, got, we were friends before we became a couple. We were friends. I was trying to get him a girlfriend. And because I'd had these shit marriages, like, I was really kind of – yeah. Hesitant, even though we actually, in truth, had quite a quick crossover to our relationship. I yeah. mean, we've only been a couple for two years and then we were recently married. But like you said, you know, when you know, you know. And I think the important thing is that we both are committed to the marriage and work and own our shit too. It's all about dealing with traumas that we both individually certainly have and yeah. working together as a team. But if I'd known a lot of the stuff that I knew in my 20s, I think I could have alleviated a lot of the crap I went through. And like you said, Tam, had more fun. I wish I picked up a flute when I was 22 instead of rushing off to a boyfriend's house or I wish I'd just stayed in America for yeah. longer, you know, and had more of a commitment to myself. But, you know, live and learn, right? All these things kind of unfold. Would you have another, would you have another baby? Definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely want to have another baby. <gasps> we're, we're trying to, well, we're trying to have a baby because he had a vasectomy before me. Um, Smart. Yeah. Not smart. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do, um, we're going to, you know, doing the IVF thing. Um, it's very early days and I, and I, that's something I never thought I'd do. I mean, I'm like, I'm 34. I never thought I'd have to be doing IVF, but you know what? And is that because, and I'm not going to get graphic, but is that that's because right. nothing works because of, the, I mean, it works. I'm <laughs> sorry. It doesn't put you oh, down right works. there. You're like, it works. It um, is that because, um, 60% like, of the time it blanks, works every right? time. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it just blanks. Yeah. It just blanks because of the vasectomy. Yes. That's right. So they have to get it in another way. Yeah. So from what right. – and, you know, this is as technical as I'm going to get with it. Uh, so there's two options. You can go reversal, which but that isn't guaranteed. It can take a long period of time. Or they can just go in, pre-snip, grab what they need, walk yeah. over to the next table, 
give it to Christy, and then apparently and turkey beef. Magic, yeah, yeah. Ma- magic mm. happens, and we get good quality everything. So, and I figure now is the time just to do it because I was like, fuck, I still want to have a career. I don't want to <laughs> forego all that stuff. But I was like, you know what, fuck it. Have the baby, have the family, and everything I found with that actually just sorts itself out. Like I've found myself yeah. more focused as an actor or any in any of the work with radio and stuff when I was a mum because you prioritise what you're doing outside of yourself in a much more structured way. Like before I had kids, I thought I had no time, but I actually had so much fucking time to my name. I know. Whereas I'm like, what did I even matter. do with that yeah. time? If you, like, did I didn't even have it? social media or kids. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> they must have been like, I, I was I so busy like getting bagels. every day. <laughs> but you do learn what was a lot. I do- right? You know, I was, yeah, chasing men. That's what I was doing, chasing so, men. So we'll see what happens. But I agree with you. I wish I'd done so much more differently in my 20s. But um, what did you find out when you turned 30? that debunked a myth of your 20s. When you turned 30, like, what did you go, you know what, that was all bullshit what I thought in my 20s. I thought when I turned 30, I'd be old. Like, I literally thought when I turned 30, I was like, oh, I'm going to look at, like, my vagina is going to be all shriveled up and I'm going to, like, have saggy boobs and I'm going to, like, all everything was just going to be old, right? And I was like, oh, that happens now when you get close (laughs) Um, No, it's not that shriveled. Um, Yeah, I thought the 30, I thought 30 was old. I really did. And now I see people in their 30s. I'm like, oh my God, like people, we don't have, I mean, I don't know, maybe people do, but we're just trying to get our shit together. Like it's not, you know, my husband's in his 40s and I'm like, oh, that looks fun. Like that looks better. Like he doesn't have as much like mental gymnastics as I do. You know, he feels better about himself. So I feel like every year it kind of sucks though, because we're still um, ingrained in us that beauty is through youth. Right. So it is waste like that beauty is wasted on the young. You're like, yeah, 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 when you're young. But you're like, oh, my goodness, if I knew now what I knew in my 20s, life would be so good. It's like so it's kind of unfair, <laughs> right. So it's like you look so good in your 20s, but you think you're gross and you don't know much about the world. You haven't really gone through all the things. And then in the 30s, you start to go through all the things, but you don't look as, you know, tight and whatever whatever it is like your skin's a little different and yeah so it is you know it's well i i feel i feel younger in my 40s than i did when i turned 30 i was shit scared turning 30 i thought the same thing you know this is it i'm 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 gonna be old but at 47 i feel a lot younger and a lot more youthful than i did when i was when i had my 30th birthday yeah my husband like looks great like he's 47 too and i'm like why do you get cuter Like, I'm like, oh, like everything, like even one line on his face. I'm like, oh, that's so sexy. Yeah. That one gray hair looks good. It's like, Oh, you never say that about the gray hair. You spot the gray. It is freaking me out that I'll be married to someone with gray hair. But as long as he doesn't have gray hair, I I feel okay. (laughs) Well, that's coming soon. So, (laughs) But speaking of Sean. Fucking speaking hell. of gray pubes, Greek, of gray pubes <laughs> what um, a segue, Christy! What a segue! Thanks, hun. Is he okay? I saw on your Instagram. Well, this was a couple of months ago. He got coronavirus. Yeah. I can't even fucking yeah. imagine how terrified you were. Like I remember, you, I feel um, like firstly, I really believe in manifestation. I feel like I have such a strong. This sounds so, you know, voodoo, but I have this weird connection with the universe, right? Like I. I'll think, I think just before you texted me, I was like, oh, and I haven't, not that I don't think of you, but I didn't, haven't thought of you for a bit. And I was like thinking of you. And then you texted me, hey, do you want to be on my show? It's weird. That stuff happens to me all the time. Like when I was younger, like if I needed a specific amount of money and I was like, I was freaking out about it, it would just come in through a residual or something, like the exact amount. Like that stuff happens to me all the time. Like my daughter, Lennon, I had so many miscarriages. I had this dream, like I visualized her. I saw her in my dream when the baby came out it was the exact same person in my dream. It's this weird thing. So I just kept thinking like when COVID was happening, I was like, one of us is going to get it. Like I just kept thinking and I was like, don't put it out there. Don't put it out there. You don't want to like, don't jinx it. Don't like, cause we, we were so careful. We left in October because the kids were, you know, Phoenix was homeschooled and we just were like so stir crazy, but we did it correctly. We like sold everything, put everything in um, storage. We're in a, a minivan and we went to these like parks and like national parks and stuff like that, that were really secluded. So we weren't around any people. Right. So I was like, there's no way we're going to get it. We're going to be fine. So then we went to Austin and on New Year's Eve was the first day that we even had the opportunity to see anyone. And we're like, you know what? We're just going to go out. We're going to walk the streets and have masks on. So we had masks on, but other people didn't. Right. And they say, when you have a mask on, you guys probably don't know as much as because we know all these stats because it's like so like still thousands of people still get it daily here. 
if you have a mask on, you are protecting someone else 75%. But if they don't have a mask on, you're only protected like 25%, right? Mm -hmm. So for all the people who didn't have masks on, even though we had a mask on, it didn't really do much of a difference. So January 1st was his birthday and we were totally fine. We just kind of went, the coffee shops were now open. We never sat at restaurants. We'd never even been to a restaurant in like a year. And then I remember we had the best day. And then the next day we were like dancing in the kitchen and he was kissing me and he had slept with the kids the night before in their bed. And then he was like, you know, I just don't feel well. And I was like, huh. I was like, that's so weird because we haven't even like, we haven't been to restaurants. We haven't touched anyone. Like we have had groceries, but like, yes, we did go out on New Year's Eve. And when I say went out, there was probably in the street, like 20 people and like probably eight weren't wearing masks, I guess. And he was like, I just don't feel well. And then he started getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was like, you need to go get a COVID test. And it's they're pretty available here. But in the beginning, it was like you had to, you know, pay $175 to get a Mm. rapid test or whatever. And we're like, just go. We just need to find out what's going on. And I was remember I was in the bathtub and he called me and he's like, I'm sorry, it's COVID. And I was just like, I just was like hysterical because all we knew of COVID was like death and destruction. Like we didn't. You hear the stories of like, you sort of hear the stories where, oh, I just got a little bit of a cold, but most of it, you're like, all the hospitals are over like filled, you know, you're just hearing the horrible stuff. So we came home and then we were in an Airbnb and we cornered him in the top, like there was an Airbnb, but it was a top, thank goodness. It had a, um, it had a first floor and a second floor. So he was on the first floor with the bed, his bedroom and a bathroom up there. And I got one of those, um, it's like a movie, one of those plastic zip yeah. tie things, whatever. And I like, co- like I taped it all up so he couldn't come down. And then he was pretty okay for the first seven days and we thought you know what like we're gonna be okay and then i didn't know this but on day seven it either goes better or it goes massively worse and we went massively worse and he had a 105 fever for six days so that's over 40 degrees i don't even know what that is maybe 41 celsius he was delirious he was like saying things like death is peaceful dying is painful like over and over again he he was in so much pain he couldn't move so i called the hospitals and the hospitals were all like overflowed so he had nowhere to go which was the scary part and there was one hospital that was taking covid people but we were just afraid that if he went that we would never see him again like we all felt like we wouldn't have had control over that situation So luckily we got connected with a doctor who's like one of the best doctors in the US and he was from California and he would FaceTime us three, four or five times a day. I'm so grateful to be in the position that we were able to have that because I know so many people aren't and I can't even imagine what that feels like. And it makes me angry, especially when there's so many people that need that kind of attention. And the only thing that I think made it better after like we got to day 14 and he was still sick. And there was two days where I was like, I don't don't know if we'll see him again. There was this, it's called ivermectin and it is a horse parasite tablet that kills parasites in horses. And it was the only thing that touched the COVID. It was the only thing after trying everything we did. Everyone's like, Oh, did you up your D and you up your this? And yes, we did all that. We did all the things. We took all the things, all the meds that you're supposed to take, nothing helped. And then this one drug ivermectin and it was selling out of the States. Like people were buying it up like crazy, you know, cause you guys probably don't know that cause there are probably not as many no, there's you know, not. cases and, over there, but. And you can just buy this. You can obviously just buy this drug. You can buy it, but it was, it was like bought up. Like it was, I mean, people were just stocking up on it because they heard that this was the only thing that could really help it or touch it. And then the doctor told me to take it. And I'm like, I'm not taking a horse parasite <laughs> thing. <laughs> no, like, screw that. I'm not touching so it's that. crazy. It's like, you know, what's wild is we didn't get it, you know? I can't believe that you. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, how lucky are you? I mean, it's, an, it's a, not a lucky situation, obviously, with him having it. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, but, it you, dodged, but you and the kids dodged it. a real bullet there. Could you imagine? I mean, that would just be scary as Imagine with you your all suffering. And um, your husband or even one of your children or both of them. I mean, yeah. I can't believe that you could even manage to get through it, let alone even be able to talk about it now so eloquently. I Have mean, what's wild to- is we were like those poster children for stay inside, clean your groceries, mm. didn't go to restaurants, didn't even hadn't even seen a friend 
in a year, like from from whenever it started, March 2020 to January 1st. We didn't even hadn't even seen a person. We hadn't even hugged a person, right? And then we got it. Well, he got it. I'm so glad that he's on the other side now. And you know what? Yeah. When you talked about manifestation, I manifested you for this first episode. I was like, I want, I want <laughs> Tamas. No, really. Well, you two are actually really big on. I mean, Christy's very big on the manifestation too. I'm thinking yours I is totally yours is great. I've got a list of things I wouldn't mind sending over you if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> just- the thing is, you can't you can't manifest for someone else, other people. Oh, okay. I have been trying. to I know it seems this. easy. I know, you but know. here's the thing: like, we don't. I, I know everyone has their thoughts on God and the universe or whatever, but there's still so many unanswered questions right more more questions lead to more questions yes absolutely so if we believe in space and we believe in the universe we believe in all these things then why don't we believe that the universe has everything that's plentiful for us Mm. but we just have to ask for it and really believe it and really visualize i remember sitting down with Teresa palmer when she was 20 22 years old and she said i'm gonna have i'm gonna have a big family one day like that is my I want to have a big family. That is everything that I want. And she's, she's, I see her life and she's totally manifested that, you know, that was her, her want. And she believed it every day, you know, and, and she has like four kids now. Yeah, I know. And she and I used to love talking about baby names. That was what she always wanted to be a mom. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, because she has this amazing career, you know, she was she would always get the parts that I went for. At first I was like, oh, my God, yeah, yeah. Teresa Palmer, she's so annoying. She always gets everything. <laughs> but she, you know, and she's like the world's nicest woman, you know. She just – she's taught me a lot. She's very, very but, big on manifesting and, and like yeah, you talked about but that's about gratitude. You know, but that's about scarcity too, like what you were saying about like – because I used to be like that too. I kind of still am trying to be better about it. But it's like when you live out of scarcity, right – and someone else gets a job, you're like, oh, I, I I, wish I got that job. I'm so upset I didn't get that job. It's because we live out of like that scarcity mentality. Like there's not enough for all of us, right? There's not abundance. Yeah. There's not enough money. There's not enough jobs. There's not enough men, right? So we live out of this, like, I'm so scared. I'm so fearful. So like we, we make ourselves so small instead of go, well, yeah, there'll be more money. There'll be more jobs. There'll be more men. There'll, there'll be hopefully only one for you guys. But <laughs> <laughs> there is everything that we want. All right. So Tamon. You're obviously someone who's very self-aware and you take your journey as it goes, but who do you think you're going to be in 10 years' time? Where do you see Tamman Sursok in 10 years? I Like these questions, I'm like back in my 20s, I would have like loved to have been like some famous actress, right? But like I just want to be doing what I love to do in 10 years' time and making a career of it, right? So making that be able to support my family, honestly, like that's, that's all I want to do is I just want to make entertainment and be able to support my family doing it. Oh, you know what? I reckon that it's is really such a, it's such a great answer. Because, and I think it's something that probably along the lines we're going to hear from a lot of people over this is that that is the difference, isn't it? When you get to 30, whatever your career will be, but um, a lot of people obviously we chat to in the entertainment industry, so that's where it generally goes. But when you get to 30, you start wanting your career for the right reasons as opposed yeah. to, you know, misguided reasons. You know, in your yeah. 20s, you want the fame, you want the money, you want the, the you know, the recognition, all this sort of stuff. But when you get to that 30 stage and, and beyond, you want that career because it's what you want to do and it's what you love to do but also want it because I want to support my family and I want to, you know, yeah, I want to have yeah. a good family life and, I, you know, I want to enjoy and embrace all the things around me. Yeah, like I could care less about, like, shoes. Like, I mean, I love shoes. They're great. But, like, that's not my – like, if I was going to buy something, it would be something for my family or it would be an experience, right? Or it would be something like a new light or, you know, a new <laughs> no, lens that. for my camera, like, or a new computer where I can edit or something like that. Like, it's – And I do, I still love fashion. I still love that sort of thing. But it's those purchases about, you know, just don't mean as much to me anymore. And Tam, for the 20-year-old, the 25-year-old now, what's the best, worst piece of advice that you were ever given in your 20s? The best advice is that you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Like, I've always thought about that, you know, because, you know, having anxiety, which is not all the time, but when I do, I want to avoid because you, when you're anxious, you don't want to jump into the fire because you just want to avoid the situations that make you stressed. But then you miss the opportunities, right? I used to like, God, every audition, I used to like talk myself out of it. 
like, oh, well, you know, I don't really have to go because it's like, you know, do I really want this job? <laughs> like, yeah. um, when I did, I always wanted it. And the worst advice, see, I've always surrounded myself with pretty grounded people, but um, I wouldn't say that I have had any worse advice, but the worst thing I've done pretty much my whole life is compared myself to other people. And it is, it has almost killed my soul. And I, I will do everything I can as I move forward in this life to not compare myself anymore because everyone has something, right? Like everyone's suffering from something. No life is perfect. And yet we think it is. We think everyone's living this perfect, dreamlike, creative, money-filled existence. And everyone has struggles. So it's just like, if I'm going to compare myself to those people, then I'm going to have to want their stuff too. And I don't want their stuff. Like, I don't want their trauma. I don't want their bullshit. I don't want their stuff. Right. So it's like, and, and I always thought that, oh, that could, that makes you happy. Right. If they look pretty and they have lots of money and they really successful and all this stuff like that, that's happiness. Right. But but I don't think it is. I think as we grow up, it's like it's so much more than that. And it looks like you found this great quest for happiness. And I'm so proud of you. Quest. I mean, not, yeah. not, there's days I'm very happy. There's days I'm not so happy. The seconds I'm happy. The seconds I'm very not happy. Actually, you know what? I'm actually not. I used to have a lot more ups and downs. And I would say I actually don't suffer from an entire day of not being happy. I suffer from days of being anxious, but. I don't suffer from days of not being happy. Well, Tamman Sursok, uh, it was just beyond amazing catching up with you. And I haven't seen Tamman in person now since like 2005, but hopefully when the borders open, we can rectify that and sit down and actually, I can give you a hug. Well, I might be in, I might be in Australia very soon. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Okay. Do we get more After details? After I quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you don't get more details, uh. but it looks to be that way. So we'll I hope see. it. It I looks it to be that way. Well, yeah. well, maybe maybe next chat we have, if we do this again, we can do it in person next time. Well, I'm definitely seeing her in person. You can stay well, home since with the there's kids. no co- real COVID there, I can <laughs> do whatever the hell you want me to do. Tamman I don't even know what it's like to be inside without a mask. I'm like, what does that feel like? <laughs> Tamman Sersok, thank you so much for joining us on Talk 30 to Me. I'm Christy Hayes. We'll catch you next week. This podcast is produced by Just In Case Entertainment. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.